Hey, everybody, and welcome to Product Happy Hour, where you can go to happy hour with your favorite product people, that's us, in your sweatpants. We are product folks here to share what we've learned often the hard way over great drinks. Why happy hour? Why not? It's the best way to get the inside scoop from grizzled bets with the scars to prove it. Thanks for giving us a listen. The best ways you can help us keep this party going is to head to our new Substack page and subscribe at ProductHappyHour.com. It's either $5 a month or $30 a year. That's literally one, one Starbucks latte a month or one DoorDash order a year to keep this sucker going. Finally, please subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For easy listening anywhere, anytime. With me, as always, is Ira Johal. Hey, Ira. Hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm really good. I'm super energized by today's topic because this is some insider, like, tribal knowledge. Like, I remember when I was first kind of getting in to product management, I was like, where, where is this information? Now, there's some stuff on the internet now, but it's not as good as what we're about to talk about. So I think we should just get into it. Let's do it. Same here. Right. There's some real wisdom in this episode. Real wisdom. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Today, we're covering the topic of transitioning into product management. Spicy, a great topic that we both have some familiarity with. It can be a long but very rewarding road. We're looking forward to providing you with some tips on how to transition to becoming a PM. But before we dive in, let's play our favorite game. What's that drink? Ira, what <laughs> drink do we have today? Well, I have chew because oh it's that good of an episode um okay what is this though this is vodka um and watermelon i'm like trying to hang on to the last bit of summer you know yeah. i'm like also i like drank all our stash um on sunday because football's back baby yeah so let's go i kind of just put together whatever the hell we had left because we drink a lot in this house. What do you have? Uh, okay, well, today we have a rerun. We have a Dallas Blonde brewed in my hometown of Dallas, Texas. Ooh, there you go. can. Uh, by Deep Ellen Brewing Company. Yeah, it's got um, a little blonde baby, I guess. It's a blonde <laughs> baby with a pink crown. Um, last time I talked about how it had some kick on it. Still true. Still true. Okay. Right there. okay. <laughs> Highly recommended. 10 out of 10. Uh, all right. Today's topic is transitioning into product management. You'll get some insight into how we ourselves made the shift into product management and advice for making the change if you're interested in doing so yourself. First, we will give some questions you should ask yourself on what to think about if you're considering a change to being a PM. Then we'll discuss the most common paths to arriving in PM land, core skills you'll need to succeed as a PM, and finally, the best advice for what to do now. Along the way, we will share what worked, what didn't, and how you can save yourself some time and energy by learning from our experience. Does that sound good? Uh, that sounds so good. I want to propose a drinking game. Let's go. For this episode. Okay, so we're talking about transitioning into product management. So I propose whenever you or I say the word decisions, then we drink. I watch you. You watch me. All right. I'm in. Let's go. Okay. Decisions. Okay. Yes. Decisions. Let's do it. 
Okay. I loved this game last week. Uh, we got pretty drunk. And uh, yeah. so I'm excited to do this again. <laughs> uh, but we got to pay attention. Last time we kind of got a little I know. Up, so, it's an yeah. exercise and focus as well. Yeah, which is uh, which is hilarious when you're trying to put together a podcast episode. And focus and okay. All right, let's go. Let's do it. Okay. spoil something for you yeah yeah that's every living creature you'll ever take care of oh my god i want a fish yeah except for like fish cats you know otherwise you want a dog you want a kid this is what fucking happens Did he bite you oh my oh, god wow. almost took my finger off what kind for of those of you just in case i decide to put this in the episode uh Ira's okay. dog sitting for who are you dog sitting for can you hear his squeaky toy my god I can't, I can't, give me that toy I'm gonna ruin this whole podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay i'm gonna uh, okay. a chunk of watermelon from my drink do it how about that do it. that doesn't Is it gonna speak. get drunk from the watermelon no oh, whatever at this point <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. I love that this is happening. I love this for you. It's good. <laughs> David, ill. All right. Uh, okay. L. So, <laughs> ew, David. Okay. Um, well, I love that that's happening. I'm sorry he bit you, but I hope things get better over there. All right. He'll so be drunk let's, soon. We will be drunk soon. It, it won't yeah. matter. Um, all right. Let's dive into this. So, is PM life right for you? I think we agree that asking yourself some key questions about PM life to discover if being a PM is right for you is a good place to start, no? Yes, absolutely. Because being a PM is not for everyone. So it's good to check in with yourself, you know, hand over heart <laughs> and see if making the change is right for you. Because yes. it's a, I think it's a very specific thing. It's not something you can kind of dip in and dip out of. Yes, 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 yes. So let's think about the kinds of things you should think about if you're considering a change into product management. One thing I think a lot about is what Ken Norton says on his blog, Bring the Donuts. No one asked you to show up, friend. Due to the nature <laughs> so of the job, it's so true. Due to the nature of the job, you have to really want to be there and give it more than a normal nine to five. So I'd ask yourself if you have the time and space in your life to be engaged, passionate, and ready to dedicate time to ramping up on the challenge. Would you agree with that, Ira? Yeah, 100%. So I'm really glad we're talking about this aspect because being in the right mindset, having a lot of passion for product management or you know, wanting to learn more is super critical. So you should really make sure um, that you're ready for that. It's really tough when people are not in the right headspace. It's not a job that treats that kind of strategic air kindly yeah it's really not that's totally true i think this is especially true in the beginning of your career too mm -hmm. when you have to spend a lot of time learning and understanding new technologies and concepts uh i know for me the first one or two years of this were pretty tough when i made this transition i was really fortunate to have been able to be in a pm role without knowing i was in one at a startup oh. i got a front row seat to what it meant to embark on this journey 
with a lot of late nights and early mornings doing slide decks, learning technology <laughs> stacks, finishing requirements earlier in the morning before grooming, you know, stuff like that. It, it, can yeah. be, it can be a really hard road. Do you have a similar experience? I mean, the slide decks things, like I literally thought I was just like a slide slave. I was like, why? They should change the title of this job. Slide slave. <laughs> I'm a slide slave. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you you do definitely need to be prepared for that kind of work because you're going to be spending also like a lot of time communicating, um, talking to customers, talking to the business, talking to everybody about how to talk to customers. Like there's a lot of communication um, written, verbal, um, sometimes visual. Um, so yeah, ask yourself is spending a lot of time communicating is something you enjoy doing or do you feel depleted by that? Like I honest to God mean that. Um, if you're sick of talking to people about a thing, um, get ready for that. Like maybe this isn't the right thing because you are gonna like talk about the same thing to different people just slightly differently all day. Is that not true? It's true. I've gotten to a point now where I kind of like switch. There's a switch that goes off in my brain uh -huh. when I'm like, oh, cool. I have to explain this for the fifth time. Okay. And then it just engages a part yeah. of my brain. It's like that part of old school where he blacks out, where he's like talking about yes. that political statement. He like starts going into that. And then all of a sudden he's like, what happened? I blacked out. That's how my brain works. <laughs> So you have to get into that mode. So it's like it's something you really do have to engage in a lot. You're going to do it a lot. You're going to be giving yeah. an elevator pitch for your product a lot. So right. if that doesn't sound like something that's for you, then you might want to reconsider if this is something that's right for you. I like that you mentioned that it was repetitive because that's the thing. It's not like uh, new conversations all the time. It's like kind of the same conversations from like a different perspective. Like you said, it's like, oh, I have to explain this. Let me engage this part of my brain. Um, also, on top of communicating, you're going to be making a lot of decisions. You're like the go-to. Wait, drink. <laughs> Finally. It took us a long time to get it to did. that decision. Yeah, it took us like a few minutes. All right. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go. Okay. So you're also going to be making a lot of those things calls <laughs> often with uh in incomplete information um in that in that way the role of a pm is pretty exposed like you're working with the team to make decisions but oh drink <laughs> but when those choices <laughs> don't work out um you you are the throat <laughs> to choke <laughs> Um, quite literally, like you're the last man standing, you're, you know, the first per you have to be in the line of fire, essentially. And yeah, you're not going to be the one who like gets all the praise either. You're kind of like a shepherd for the product and a representative for the team. Um, you're not really, you know, front and center in the spotlight. Um, actually, if you do your job really well, People might associate you with the feature, but they'll associate your team with the success. Like that's like a good gauge. Like you'll be like, oh, that team, that team delivers. Like that's a sign that you did a good job. Not like, oh, that PM, you know, oh, great job. You know, like it should be, you kind of should be seen as a unit. So yeah, naturally, I think you should check in with yourself and see if you're comfortable being, you know, that person to kind of take, 
take the heat, um, make lots of calls, and then like maybe not all have all the answers, but be willing to go and find them. Ah, what do you think? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you're making a lot of calls often with incomplete information, and yeah. you don't yeah. have all the answers. Better figure most it out, bud. Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna have to figure that out, and you're gonna have to be comfortable, like because you don't have all the answers, you're not gonna make the right call. Often. Yeah. Yeah, and, and be okay uh, with that. So you have to be okay with being the line of fire, fire just like you said. I, I right. Okay, and la- and lastly, uh, negotiation. Often teams and stakeholders that aren't always, they're not always going to be the easiest to work with or they're not going to be aligned uh, with each other or with you. And so you're always like kind of brokering these conversations to get people to like, I think, find their common goal um, and so you're you're trying to you're doing that transaction with them. Um, you're also trying to like weigh and measure um, what's valuable, what's not valuable. So you're negotiating feature sets. You're negotiating with teams. Um, you're trying to like convince people. It's salesy in in that way. Um, and there's a lot of back and forth. It's not like okay, here's my to do list today. Check, check, check. I can do all these things independently. Like never, I've never, not once, one day, have I ever been like, oh yeah, just my independent tasks, <laughs> ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, oh yeah, good. I'm glad you agree. Like I, I think that kind of summarizes the nature of the work. Um, any other thoughts? Well said. I really love that negotiation point too. Sometimes it feels like you know. A lot of life is negotiation. Uh, well, PM is even more so. Like, it's, yeah. it's just one constant long negotiation. So, um, you know, I think it's important to think about that. Some great nuggets of insight in there and great questions for our listeners, listeners to ask themselves. Actually, given the, uh, given the above, I think it's good to round out by talking about the mindsets that don't really work okay. for PM life. Um if some of these are plaguing you, I'd consider either making a mindset shift or reconsidering a move into PM. Uh, so we mentioned this at the top, thinking that this job is nine to five. That's very, very incorrect. When, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, it's I like. Mean, <clears throat> that's a lie. That's a lie, guys. Yeah. yeah. It's not 40 hours a week. Um, when done at a high level, this is a very demanding job, and you'll often be working at all hours to learn, make decisions. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. Um, ah. So you're going to be working at all hours to learn, make decisions, communicate. Excuse me. Ah, I did it again. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm. So if you're looking for a job with lots of structure and balance, I don't really think this is it. I mean, uh, you're not working 100 hours a week by any means, uh, Mm -hmm. but you're also not going to be punching a punch card. That's for sure, right? Right, right. I'm not the only one here, right? No, like I I think I was attracted by like the, okay, like it looks really like a glamorous job. Like this person has a lot of authority. They're driving a lot of things. I was really attracted to that. But um, once I got into the role, like – that's really just a fraction of it. Like you are kind of like the key point person, but, um, with that privilege comes a lot of responsibility 
And some of that responsibility isn't like a, like, like you can kind of check out mentally. Like I've done this thing, I'm done. Like I'm kind of always thinking in a strategic way. I'm a different kind of person because I am a PM. Um, I can't just turn it off. Um, and it's not like about, I'm not saying that about work-life balance. I'm just saying that there's a new kind of thinking where you really only feel satisfied by having lots of balls in the air um, and having like a path. Like I always have a list of things um, that I want to get done or like opportunities. I'm always like weighing things. What do they call that? Like, what's the word for that? It's not product intuition, but it's like, a gr is it a growth mindset? I don't know. What's the... Mm. There's some cute term for it. Oh, I don't know. Um, this is something that we're gonna have to look up later. Probably. We're gonna have to look this up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it should. Maybe if somebody you think of it, if you're listening and you're like, yeah. I know it. Uh, yeah. A comment. Leave us a that. drop us a comment. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I I totally agree. I'm doing this a ton in my life. I even like I'm at the point now where uh if it doesn't feel like there's a lot going on and there's uh not enough time in the day to accomplish all the things that that uh, we want to accomplish i feel like something's wrong like, yeah it, we're not shooting high to that enough point yeah it's to that point where like alarm bells start going off and i'm like that's weird it's interesting like <laughs> over the years how my mentality is has gotten there so i, I definitely agree with you there um Okay, thinking that it's your way or the highway and the decisions. Drink. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, man, popular word. Okay. Um, <laughs> thinking that it's your way or the highway and the decisions you make. God, I keep doing it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do, I'm going to pull a trick out of your your playbook okay. thinking that it's your way or the highway and the calls you make are yours <laughs> to make alone and our final nope you're going to work with a lot of people yeah to align refine decide and adjust so if this is your mindset about the role i would definitely reconsider that you are not a one person show yeah by any means and uh, finally, I think a mindset that's not great for this role is thinking that you'll be able to go heads down and burn through tasks, just like you said, uh, like perhaps somebody in engineering would do. This job has a lot of twists and turns. Having a rigid mindset of purest focus is probably not going to work well in the fluid role that is PM. Did we get it all? Yeah, I, you crushed it, man. So uh, let's say you've gotten through all the above, like you're like I said, hand to your heart. Am I this person? Do I want this thing? Can I manage all these other things? Um, and you're like, okay, um, I'm good. Let's keep going. Um, the qu next question is probably how the F do I get into product management? <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's not a straight path. There's no like, okay, take this degree, get this certificate and boom, there you are. Worthy PM. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like a you're kind of like it's the nature of the job is also represented in the path that it takes to get there. Yeah, because it is so ambiguous, it is so fluid. Like, right, you do kind of have to be entrepreneurial to get the job, and then yeah. be entrepreneurial when you're doing the job. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a more unique path. Okay, so let's talk about the most common paths to PM them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it.
So we knocked our heads together and put together these most common paths for people moving into product management. Um, so first, straight out of school, um, either technical roles like computer science or engineering or through non-technical roles like marketing, psychology or strategy or econ, for example, there are usually a lot of tech companies recruiting on campus for future PMs and associate PMs. An associate PM, for those of you who are newer, like kind of like an like entry level product manager. Um, so this is a path that's pretty co- a pretty common way to get started. Um, Ajay, what do you think? Yeah, I'm familiar with this one. I actually got recruited out of UT Engineering by Microsoft for their PM program. I okay. didn't actually get a role there, <laughs> so it didn't okay. actually work out. Uh, but a few people I went to school with or went uh-huh. elsewhere went down this path. They do a lot of heavy recruiting in universities out of engineering programs, computer science, like this, this happens, happens a lot. So, um, okay. It's a great path to go down. That's cool. Do you think they remember rejecting you and they deeply, deeply regret it? <laughs> uh, I, I doubt they remember it, but I do remember it forever and always. It will always be up here. And I'm always going to hold it against you, Microsoft. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, he's not. He's not Microsoft. Okay. Another, look at you. But look how far you've come. Drinking in your office at home, (laughs) recording your thoughts. It's true. I mean, I guess like a a lesson in hindsight is like, you're going to get rejected a lot down this path. Oh my God. uh, You know, one more rejection, whatever. Yeah, and actually that's another like good like core thing you need to be ready for is rejection as a PM. The number of times I have been smacked down by engineering or data science. I mean, I barely stand up anymore. I've been smacked down so many times. <laughs> rejection and failure. Yeah. And, uh, well, we've talked, I don't know if we've talked about this here, but, um, you know, 85 to 90% of the things you ship and test you run are not going to work out. So, yeah, that's yeah, true. You get used to it. You, you get used to rejection and failure for sure. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, another pretty common way to like shift in to this glamorous PM dum that we're describing that we all want to be in. Uh, yeah, we've done a really good job kind of cutting it down to what it really is, which is hard work. Um, well, yeah, you can shift in through uh, what I like to call product adjacent roles at tech companies. So. These are product adjacent just means like you're in a role that's maybe not the PM, but you're really close to the strategy in other ways. Um, So if you're at a company that hires product managers, that means you could probably get into a product adjacent role, meaning that they have a product shop. So therefore there will be a PM for you to be near and also uh, maybe transition into. So let's say you're like in a role like engineering or QA or um, marketing or customer support or something similar where you're close to the feature. Um, you'd really have a good shot at becoming a PM if you have the right skill set. And if you're PM adjacent, just try and act like you're a PM or try and exhibit some of the behaviors that you think would be valuable in your role that happen to also be some of the ones that Ajay just mentioned, and you'll really set yourself up for success. What do you think? Yeah, I actually enabled a shift like this recently myself, where we had somebody in our marketing org that would be a great fit for PM on my team. Mm. You know, he ended up expressing interest. We interviewed and agreed that he would be a great fit. 
and now he's doing great as our newest PM. So it happens pretty often. Uh, oh. So I would not rule this out, not yeah. think, oh, you missed the boat in college or something. Right. Um, you know, it definitely can happen this way for sure. Pretty common. I really like uh, that decision. Yeah. <laughs> I just dropped that one on purpose because I was you thirsty. <laughs> you were like, okay, I'm, I need uh, more of that drink. That <laughs> it's refreshing. <clears throat> I'm glad. It's good. Uh, all right. Shall I do the final path? Yeah, let's go. Okay. So finally, the last path for transitioning that's the least common is if you're coming from a non-tech background in a non-tech company. Okay. This is a less traditional route. Um, and it requires some more creativity. It can be done, but it requires a heavier lift. I know that this uh, can be done because this is the route I ultimately went down after my series of rejections from Microsoft and other tech places. <laughs> um, I ended up in the energy sector, in the power generation sector. Uh, you know, I gave it a shot because I, um, I, you know, that's what you do. You get your job. You're you like, just, oh, I'm happy to have a job. Yeah. You just try. Uh, yeah. And I gave it a shot, but ultimately realized it wasn't the place for me during that time. I got connected with the tech co-working space in Dallas and mm -hmm. found my tribe with a lot of tech folks. So I ended up quitting and joining a startup in the co-working space. It was rough. Yeah, definitely rough. Low pay, long hours, did lots of things wrong. And the startup ultimately failed. Um, afterwards, I ended up eating a lot in the Bay Area and watching two weeks worth of house reruns. <laughs> and uh, at the end of that, um, I realized that the parts of the experience I really enjoyed were the product management parts. It's like, nice. yeah, that's that's true. I couldn't fit in my pants afterwards. I was like, <laughs> oh, probably shouldn't have done this. Um, <clears throat> uh, but I, I did realize at the end that there's this thing called product management after doing some research and that was the parts uh, of that experience I really enjoyed. So that's what I ended up pursuing. It took months to find a job. Months. Wow. Um, but ultimately, I found one through an alum of a fraternity I was part of. Kind of a random connection. He insured me and I got a job. He was an associate PN. And the rest is wow. history. So it can be done. But sometimes uh, when you do it that way, it's harder and it's more windy. You might have mm -hmm. a better shot getting into a tech company and then transitioning from there <laughs> definitely seems easier or getting an APM APM job out of college. Yeah. But I, what a crazy story. And like, it just goes to show like, you know, there's, there wasn't a clear path for you. And like now, like you're in a place that you're in a role that you really like. Um, you're talking to other people about how to get into this role. I mean, like, I think it just goes to show that like, if you really want something or there's something really resonates with you, um, leaning in, even though it's a little hard in the beginning is worth it. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's good, better in the long term. Definitely. What, how did you get into product management? Um, yeah, it was also a windy road. Um, the short of it is, is I really wanted to get out of law school badly. Um, because that, so was, you're in this camp too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I am. Yeah. And I, I honestly took a product adjacent role at uh, a really big tech company. Ah. But this role was really like small. And I got it not because of my econ degree, but because of like my fun degree. Did you do a fun degree? No, what's a fun degree? A uh, fun degree is the degree you do. Um, that's like what you really want to do. Well, you know, your main degree is the one you do for like credibility and reputation and validation you need from your parents. <laughs> oh 
I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the last part I do know. Was- yeah. <laughs> so yeah, my fun degree was in anthropology and yeah, this tech firm was like looking for uh, what they were calling, I think, data designers at the time or um, taxonomists to help build like some structure around like shopping um, taxonomies. But yeah, product adjacent. There was PMs there. I tried to like, I really like admired those PMs. I'm going to talk a little bit about how exactly how I got um, into the role, like what the exact steps I took. But yeah, product adjacent, like totally outside of tech, um, then got into a tech company and then boom, here I am. That's great. That's great. So yeah, you're in the second category. Yeah. You started in the third category. Yeah. And took the move in the in the second category. Yeah, definitely smarter than what I did. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I had a hell of a ride for sure. But <laughs> um, in terms of level of difficulty, um, not level of difficulty, but just level of pain. Yeah. Pain meter on the pain, pain meter. Right. Number two is on lower on the pain meter. Sure. I mean, because it's hard to get in and it's hard to do. Like I think doing that gut check in the beginning for the things that resonate with you is really important. Cause it's like, I would say, um, if, if, if you want it to be worth those kinds of struggles, like you want to know that you're headed in the right direction. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So we've talked about paths to get to the PM role. What about once you're getting calls and interviewing, what are the kinds of skills you'll need to thrive as a PM? Let's dive into it. Okay. This is a good one. So, yeah, um, you need a whole separate set of skills to interview as a PM, but that's not what this episode is about. Um, so yeah, here are the competencies that I recommend to be a useful and maybe even a memorable PM, dare I say. <laughs> there are five of them. Um, this was like, this was a really nice exercise for me because I kind of looked back on my career. I looked back at the PMs that I really a- aspire to be like. And I was like, okay, what are these people doing to not just be a PM, but be the PM, like WWF PM, big guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, And I also think that these things are important because they're not only um, internally validating to me, they don't not only make me feel good, but these are the things that come up in like my reviews, like these competencies, people are like, oh, thank God you're this way because that helped me do this, you know? So that's how I know that it's like a little a notch above just being performant. It's it's like being a solid PM. So yeah, let me without further ado, let me say like the first one is be a strategic thinker. Um, it's not enough to just push goals. Um, as a PM, you need to like carve out a path to achieve those goals, and then you have to like like it. Okay. You have to like really want to do it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I think solid PMs think about like not just the, you know, why, like, oh, we're aligning to these leadership or these business objectives. It's like, it's like, how, how do I get there? Oh, you have a problem? Like I am the person people call when they have problems and I love that. What about you? Yep. 100%. In fact, I would recommend listening to our previous episode about strategy. Uh, Yes. You want to learn more about how to become a strategic thinker. Um, But yeah, it's very critical. This dog just turned off the light. (laughs) Shit, you not. Did you see that? I was like, 
this dog's a ghost. Like, how did he reach the switch? I couldn't. Re- I couldn't believe. It. I was like, did the power go out? <laughs> and if like, the- <laughs> no, he's still talking. Yeah, if the power went out, then how are we doing this still? I mean, and, um, that was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> okay. Okay. All sorry. right. Well, uh, I don't know if I'm gonna edit this out, but okay. Here is dog. Just turn off the lights. So. <laughs> There's a little bit of a break in here. Sorry about that. Not your dog. You're babysitting your parents' dog. Yeah. Get you a dog that knows how to act up only when you're recording a podcast. That's what everyone needs. (laughs) Uh, That's epic. Okay. What were we talking about? We were talking about... Strategic thinking. And so, yeah, you should watch our last episode, um, How to Build a Great Strategy, um, because that's kind of like what you'll have to do over and over again. Um, and if you're really good, you'll just be thinking like that all the time. Like what is the path to those goals or what is the path, um, to solving this problem? Um, the second one is really good too. And actually I, Ajay, you do this a lot. Um, the second one is bias for action. Like I love a thought leader. I love listening to people who just get to talk but it's really not enough. (laughs) I've worked with plenty of idea people. And for me personally, it's kind of frustrating because when someone gives me a good idea, but then they do nothing to move the ball forward, I was like, well, that was a waste, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think you have to be brave and take the first pass. Um, And that's what I mean um, by bias for action. Like, I've found that just doing a tiny bit more than the average X, like the average person, the average PM, the average leader, you know, that really gives me an edge. Like I don't need to solve world hunger. I just need to do a little bit more than the average person to have made an impact. Um, And that comes through just being like tuned to do something instead of sit on things. Just try so yeah, you you don't have to solve everything, but having a bias for action will take you super far. Um, yeah, do you think that's made you better at your job, Ajay? 100%. I'm so glad we're talking about it. Uh, it's helped me quite a bit. I mean, for example, just running experiments and getting research initiated mm-hmm. instead of coming into discussions empty-handed to brainstorm about what you're going to do next or yeah. what uh, kinds of stories we should do or tests we should run next. So huge. So just having a bias for action, moving, running even the smallest of experiments by executing on tests with real data, it ensures that conversations that you're going to have about what to do, what kind of decisions to make uh, are going to be about real facts and are going to be more customer centric. It's much more productive and collaborative than talking about pie in the sky ideas um, and can only happen when you have a bias towards action, I've run right. this time and time again. It's huge. Really, yeah. really, really, um, it really, really matters. A hundred percent. That brings me to my next point. Um, play well with others. Um, this is about influence and collaboration. I think a lot of people, when they hear play well with others, it's like, Oh, you're like a team player. Like, no, that is not enough. That is like basic level B stuff here. Like, <laughs> It's just the starting. Um, Collaboration isn't just like, it's not the basic kind of collaboration like, oh, oh, like be a good scrum master or run some planning meeting. 
you know, that you have with your stakeholders, like once a quarter where you show up there with your like begging bowl, like, hey, help me unblock these dependencies. That is not collaboration at all. Collaboration is building authentic relationships, like ones where you learn each other's strengths and weaknesses. And then you teach others about your, your context and you learn about theirs. Like that kind of collaboration would make you like a next level PM because understanding each other's context means you can build like a common language and a common goal. Um, and that's really what it's about to like move really big features that cut across teams. That's not just like within your boundaries. Like for example, I have to work with Ajay a lot in order to take my very back end style machine learning feature um, and put it in front of customers. And we don't just do that by like meeting like, uh, you know, once a quarter, I'm like, hey, hey, what do you think about this? Like, do you, can you make room for this in your sprint? Like, I think we do a deeper level um, of strategic alignment. We share ideas. We talk about how um, um, our features can help other parts um, of the company that we we maybe only know about in our individual silos. Like, wouldn't you agree? Am I too in my feels? I'm sorry. <laughs> No, no, I, I think it's totally resonating. Uh, unlocking your collaborators' superpowers can be huge towards helping you make things happen. Mm -hmm. From experience, I found that bringing other people in that share common ground, goals, and objectives can be much more powerful than working alone. To the point where if you don't know how to play well with others like you're talking about, mm -hmm. it can be a huge detriment to your career. I've seen this lately as we've been building strategies for next year. It's way more powerful and easier when you know how to collaborate and harness other strengths versus going alone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's really validating to hear that. Okay. Point four, be data informed. So again, shout out to episode five, um, not to toot our own horns, but you should listen to all of our episodes, everyone. <laughs> but episode five is uh, yeah. about the relationship between quant and qual. Um, I make lots of decisions at work and I know from experience guessing too uh, often. Decisions. Oh, decisions. good one, dude. That was deep in the episode. Proud of you. You caught everybody sleeping. You caught everybody sleeping. <laughs> I was like, it's a punt. Put your hands up. All right. Here we go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think basically you... I like the people I work with to trust me and I build that trust by making good calls. I make good calls because I have a crystal ball. No, I don't have a crystal ball. <laughs> I make good calls because I invest time in being data informed. I spend the time to read the dashboard, to read the NPS survey that's like six pages long or like three Excel tabs, you know? Um, so, I, I need to get to good factual answers because um, it will pay me back. Um, not only because I build trust with people, but I feel more confident that I'm taking things in the right direction. Um, yeah, I think we, if you're, you know, not sure how to do this, if you're in a role or you're thinking about a role, like you should just go over to like episode five, minute 19. It's hyperlinked in the show notes on Substack. We cover all our favorite tools and like who to talk to so that you can actually instrument your site to have more facts about what the hell is actually going on. That's right. Yes. Mixed panel, full story and amplitude. Uh, we're not sponsored by them, I promise, but they're, they're <laughs> great tools. I would recommend them. Yeah. <laughs> 
we wish we were sponsored. Um, still waiting on that call from uh, Tonal and Peloton too. Um, but okay last but not least have an effing point of view and i mean this with everything in my soul you're going to be calling the shots guiding people to north star so having an opinion on what makes x great or bad is super important you can train yourself to do this if you aren't already like don't feel like oh like this is just something i need to be born with like you don't um my favorite piece of advice is to actually like swipe down if you have an apple or android and like look at your most used apps like ask yourself why do i use these what makes me come back what do i like about this and then how would you change them i think that's also like a popular interview question but if you can't answer how you would change them then you don't have a point of view uh maybe that's a little controversial but if you're not doing that thinking you don't really have a perspective on how you might shape things so yeah i've read that you need to have intuition and experience um to do this but yeah like i said i disagree 50 percent of the skill is just simply articulating your point of view and yeah just pick one and start there you'd be surprised how just like talking out any point of view even if it's one counter to what you think or like representing your dad's point of view, like that will help you develop your own. Yeah, totally. It's it's um, a very good exercise and empathy and uh, product sense. That's really what we're talking about. It's a key skill. We talked about this in episode four. What is product management? I mean, this is it's a pretty key skill. You're going to do it a lot. So uh, you should expect to be prepared for that. Okay, we've gone through... Um, you know, the different paths of transitioning, uh, the kinds of things that make you successful in the role. Yeah. What's our best advice for what to do now? What should we be telling people that are interested in making this transition to do today? Okay, this is a good one. How do we put all this into motion? Um, well, if you're in school, you should try an internship for the summer. Like legit, that is my best advice. Like go through your school um, and they can maybe match you. If they can't match you, you're going to need a little hustle, but, um, you know, guys, it's, uh, 2022. Isn't it 2022 or is it 2023? It's 2023. It's almost 2023. It's almost it's 2023 right now. Uh, <laughs> get a grip on your date. Uh, that's also a core competency, um, on what year it is, but go to LinkedIn, search for internships, like, um, go and do one just so you can validate that this is kind of the right place for you. Um, like as Ajay mentioned, every internship isn't going to give you a good sense for exactly your future product role, um, but it is going to give you uh, a good flavor. So I would say definitely do that. Ajay, you know, you talked a little bit about um, the internship experience you had, but do you have any other ones, any stories you want to share of good ones? Oh man, I don't know. I, might, uh, I had a couple of internships. Uh, one was an engineering internship, but that honestly wasn't very informative. So okay. when you're looking at these internships, I would definitely make sure that you're going to learn skills that are uh, transferable to the product space if that's something that you're interested in, because uh, not every internship is going to be like that. I think mine was like looking at manufacturing order lists and checking <laughs> them, which was not useful at all. So, um, you know, I would not recommend doing something like that. Uh, the other internship, um, <laughs> this might be a tangent, but I, I ended up taking an internship at Disney World, which was really fun. Wow. Um, yeah, and that was more about building soft skills and being collaborative and 
surprisingly now that I look back on it, it actually had a lot of transferable skills. Um, oh, so you weren't that, like Pluto? That ended up here. They let you talk? It's not Pluto. I did work in the park, so I was giving tours. Oh, cool. Um, but one of the great parts about that job, one, you know, giving tours, you have to communicate a lot. So you get really good at communicating yeah. with people. Um, you're also running the tour, so you talk to a lot of people and you have mm -hmm. to make connections really quickly. So it's really great if you're trying to negotiate with people that requires a lot of uh, quick connections, but also collaboration. You know, you got to get to know people pretty fast. Yeah, really fast. Um, They're just like strangers. They're like in and out, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Millions of people coming through there uh, every month. It's um, and you're talking to them face to face, which is wild now. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, honestly, it actually also kind of it reignited my passion for technology and engineering. Is one of those few places where they used technology to literally make magic happen. Oh my god! And so that was an incredible thing. So but cool. not a direct product management internship. I would recommend people try to get direct product management experience. Okay. Um, but you know, some of these great things help you build skills for later on too. So wouldn't count them out. I can see your Disney tour guide skills coming out at work all the time. <laughs> yeah. All the time. Welcome to the Backlot Tour. My name is Jay Walker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to this product requirements review meeting, everybody. My name is Jay Walker. Do you believe in magic? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, um, yeah. All the time. <laughs> what would you suggest to folks who are in a product adjacent role? Like what's the best advice for them to get into product management? Like to make that move? Yep. I would 100% shadow a PM you admire. I think mentorship, you and I have talked about this. Yeah. I think mentorship is less fruitful. Oftentimes, if it's somebody that you really want to be able to emulate, yeah. uh, they're super busy. Yeah. And like the, the idea of taking time out of a crazy schedule to mentor, whatever that really means, yeah, um, is definitely more challenging than just shadowing. You know, if shadowing is like, yeah, whoever you're working with is probably like, yeah, I'll just forward you a bunch of meeting invites. Right. And, you know, you'll sit in on all the stuff I have to do anyway. Yes. So, you know, yeah, sure. Come on come and shout at me, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's a lot simpler. Totally. Um, And, uh, yeah, so limited time. But you, if you ask to shadow them, you'll get exposure to the real experience, how to present, who they talk to, what their to-do list looks like. And you'll have a jumping off point for your learning. I mean, it sounds simple, but right. I mean, shadowing, you'll learn a lot, a lot more than you might think. Yeah. And like, don't just do it once. Like do it like once a month or once a quarter or like once an important event, like during shadow them during planning, shadow them during launch. Like I did the mentorship thing at first. Oh my God. It's like so cringe when I like think back at it um, because like I canceled the like meeting like more than I actually met the mentor and then I was like oh god she's gonna think I'm like bad but honestly I felt like I was wasting her time like you said she was already like super busy and I had questions but like then while she was answering them I was just like taking notes like what am I gonna do with these notes read them like I wasn't actively learning um but when I started shadowing things started clicking like the things that she would say and the things that she would do would like you said give me like a jumping off point for my learning like okay like why did you make this call or why is this person like even involved in this project um and that just kind of like 
was like training with a weight vest on. Like you're in real life scenarios, not talking about theory, actually talking about like how to make better decisions, what PM life is about. Like it was way, way more powerful. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, last but not least, if you're in a non-tech job and want to get into product management, like we said, it's a little bit harder. Um, but I think the best advice I have is go, if you're going from non-tech, go to either a product adjacent role um, with an equivalent skill set um, outside, like transition into like a tech company and get into product adjacent role, like marketing, QA, um, copywriting, any of those things. Um, and if you do not feel comfortable leaving your role, just try and find a role within your company or um, responsibilities that would have the equivalent skill set to what we what, to what we mentioned. Okay, so so what do I mean by that? I'll give you an example. So if you're like at a utility company, I don't know, like the water company, and um, there aren't any PMs uh, like nearby, so you can't really build up your resume. Get closer by moving into a role that requires PM skills. Um, or ask for responsibility aligned with the kind of like skills that we outlined. And if you're open to changing companies, like even better, get into a tech company, get into a product adjacent role, be near to strategy. And like, uh, that's one way you'll learn through osmosis. Um, and you may be able to slide right in. Like, Ajay, what are some popular, popular product adjacent roles? We mentioned a few. Yeah, yeah, marketing, project management is another common one that we see a lot. Content strategist is another. And yeah. It's actually surprising how much of your job is uh, related to copy as a product manager. So <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> working with content strategists uh, happens a lot. Yep. Okay. Those are great ones. Okay. Yeah. I know a copywriter um, for a magazine who moved into a product role by shifting companies. Yep. Um, and she moved into QA. Like, you can qual you can check the quality of an experience um, without too much like background, like uh, certification or or work. And I think QA is a really good one because you're really close to describing what is and what isn't working, um, and that's really that's really healthy. Like um, a pro part of a product manager's job is this diagnosis piece, like what is and what isn't working. Um, yeah, she ended up getting um, into product management because she was uh, socializing, communicating um, the things that weren't working and maybe some solutions for it. First for the uh, official feature, but then for the overall strategy. So I thought that made her like a really good um, kind of representative example um, for this path. Yeah, 100%. That's awesome. QA, especially QA people. QA people think are really great candidates for PM. They know all the ins and outs of a product right? and can really, really, really excel in that type of role. So, uh, well, we're really excited to hear your particular journey. And if you think we can help, just leave us a comment and uh, we'll give you our take on, uh, on how to make a transition. Yeah. No shortage of advice over here. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, folks. Um, I think that's the end of this uh, segment. Yeah, we, uh, we did it. Thing, transitioning to product management. Hopefully this episode helps you live out your dream of joining us in that PM life. I know sometimes we make it sound like, ah, oh, it's such like a grind, <laughs> but it is really a great job. And, yeah. and um, 
you know, uh, there's lots of, lots of really fun uh, aspects to it. It's great to get to know your team, be highly collaborative and getting those wins are just like, you know, so really rewarding going. So, oh my God. So, so rewarding. rewarding. Uh, so let us know if you enjoyed this episode in the comments at our website for the episode. And if there's more you'd love to hear about transitioning to product management, let us know. We're happy to help. It's that time in the show for cool product things for the uninitiated. This is where we share a cool product thing that we saw out in the wild that represents a key product concept. This week, it's Ira's turn. Ira, take it away. What cool product thing do you have for us this week? Okay, uh, hear me out. It is a physical product with zero digital features, but I just want you to imagine that you have a dog. And this dog is at home with you while you are trying to work or record your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and this dog wants your attention. Let's call this dog Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu is constantly bringing you toys. He wants to play tug of war. He wants you to give him treats for doing very basic bitch things like sitting. He wants treats. You're trying to run the most important planning session of your career. And said dog is like huffing, like deep, heavy breathing at your feet, whining for your attention, okay? What happens? Guilt sets in immediately for me. I wish I had more time. What kind of dog parent am I? I'm here, stuck in this meeting. What can I do? What can I do? Enter cognition-stimulating dog toys. Okay. Ooh. Have you heard okay. of these? Uh, somewhat. A little bit. Tell us about it. Okay. These are slow feeding puzzle dog toys. Um, the number of times this toy has saved me from guilt and actually being able to do my job at home. Like I think I'm at like 18 and it's only midweek. <laughs> um, so what are these toys? They help you hide treats in like solvable puzzles. And um, those puzzles are engaging and good for the dog brain. So they keep them entertained, but like independently. Um, and it's delightful for the user and the dog. Like that dog's getting its brain worked out. It's like looking for a tree. It's not bored. And me, like I have I've reduced my level of guilt at least three notches. And I might even be able to earn a paycheck that day. Um, so that's great. <laughs> um, I keep these um, toys out um not all the time but like when i really need them so they you know um are kind of seen as like a reward and not just like you know that toy that's like hanging around and it works like a charm he's not bored and it's configurable so it's not the same thing every single time um i'll share a couple of links to the ones i love but have you ever gotten einstein one of these or is he like pretty chill when you're at home you know hi i remember these um they're a, they're a brilliant product. They they really, in a lot of ways, the companies that make these show some really deep user empathy, knowing that you need them just to like hardcore distract your dog sometimes when something important is going on, um, which is just brilliant. That's such a brilliant, brilliant product and such a cool product thing. Um, uh, for us personally, we tried them on Einstein and he loved it. 
to the point where it got difficult to keep filling it back up with treats. Oh my gosh. Um, we uh, ended up getting some longer lasting chew toys, but we should go back to it after listening you hype it up. He's a big boy, so I guess I have to find something he can mess with for a good while. Yep. That can hold a lot of treats. That seems to be the challenge. <laughs> um, but great, great, great product thing. Very cool. Very cool product thing. Yeah, thank you. All right, and that's a wrap. Thank you, as always, for joining us for Product Happy Hour. If you enjoyed Happy Hour today, please support us by subscribing at our website, ProductHappyHour.com. There are two options, $5 a month and $30 a year for one Starbucks latte a month or one DoorDash order a year. You can help us keep this party going and keep ads off the pod. Thank you in advance for your support. You can also support the show by following the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Please also rate the show on your platform of choice. It really helps us out. Follow us on Instagram or TikTok for clips at Product Happy HR. And please share with your friends and spread the word. The more people at the bar, the merrier. Thank you so much for deciding, making decisions oh, for listening to the show. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Gotcha. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. <laughs>